It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brings you interviews with some of the most inspirational and influential people in the world. It's our goal to educate and empower you so you can live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. We have another great show for you today. It has been reported that children spend more than six and a half hours per day on screens. 93% of teen Facebook users share their real name. Sexting is a ranking concern for U.S. children. And one-third of students between ages 12 to 17 have been victims of cyberbullying. Children face real dangers online. But how can parents protect their kids without isolating them from the reality of our digitally connected world? Joining me today is Will Geddes, one of the world's leading security specialists. Will coaches parents on the risks of internet dangers and offers practical advice so that children can be engaged in modern media while remaining safe. Will is a regular commentator and analyst for media, including CNN, NBC, BBC, and Newsweek, and he's the author of the book, Parent Alert, How to Keep Your Kids Safe Online. Welcome, Will. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invite, Joan. So, Will, when you hear words like cybercrime, sexting, cyberbullying, phishing, cyberstalking, grooming, nude selfies, these are activities that were not part of my world as a child. But today, it's a very different story. Our kids are exposed to these scary activities on a daily basis, and they're not equipped to handle these realities. So I want to thank you for being here because this is such an important conversation that we can have. So as parents, we can't shield our kids from online dangers if we don't know what they are. Can you give us a general understanding of what is going on in the digital world that our kids are being exposed to? Well, of course. I mean, certainly in terms of the digital life and the virtual life that we all are increasingly inhabiting, this is, uh, in many regards, uh, still an uncharted waters for most of us in terms of the kind of risks that we can potentially be presented with, the type of content and material that we might not actively necessarily seek out, but we can come across accidentally or uh, just purely by chance. And in many regards, although we want to place as much trust as we can on the developers of apps and the builders of social media sites, the Internet as a whole, unfortunately, still doesn't have the degrees of controls that each of us might necessarily want. But more importantly, that could ideally protect children from a, the types of content that they could potentially see, but B, the kinds of threats that they could be exposed to. And those threats now make up an increasingly wide spectrum. Well, there were a couple of terms that I threw out, and I want to just run through some of them. And if you can give us a very brief explanation of what they are. So cybercrime, what is that? Well, cybercrime will be fundamentally any kind of crime which could seek to extract or extort money from you or by duplicating or recreating your identity 
to use your identity as a proxy to perpetrating various crimes on the internet. Now, that could be defrauding other individuals, it could be grooming other individuals, uh, but it's fundamentally crime that falls within the virtual cyberspace as opposed to what we might conventionally see in the real world. So anything from robbery through to fraud to extortion. Now, you just mentioned the word grooming. What is that? Well, grooming is the generic term that is used more often than not when there are predators who are seeking to actively target children for some kind of nefarious activity. And unfortunately, in the vast majority of those instances, it will be with some sexualized nature. Now, grooming is incredibly insidious because it generally constitutes the process of cultivating, indoctrinating, and coercing a child over a period of time through very, very, very subtle means. And many of the predators that are grooming children and minors online will use such subtle tactics that the child can quite often not realize what is actually happening until they have been enveloped, if you like, by the predator into either sharing information, compromising photographs, or even in the worst instances, even physically meeting with the groomer in the real world. Is there a common way that opportunists prey on children? Is there something that parents can be looking for? Well, one of the things that I I talk about quite extensively in this book is how valid will this book be in, say, a few months from now or even a year from now? And where I frequently mention within the book is about your protection, your safety being a defense in depth. And what I mean by that is that Although technology can evolve and advance incredibly quickly and your child might be on one app this week and then on a brand new app next week, there are still some fundamental modus operandi that the criminal, the extortionist, the groomer for that matter needs to be able to follow to be able to compromise you as an individual or the child into giving up personal information enabling access into a private account or being susceptible to some degree of extortion. And the way that I best describe it is to say that you or the child, for that matter, is the key to the house. And if the house is full of your valuables, your private information, your personal data, whatever means or process that the criminal or the threat has to approach by, they still have to come through that door, which is protected by you. So although one talks about hacking more often than not in a technical sense, in many regards, it is about human hacking. It's compromising the person and coercing or or maybe even manipulating you to compromise the security values and common sense that you might not normally sort of uh, drop in a real world situation that you would be uh, duped into believing is worth dropping. So whether that be that there is some reward against you providing certain information, whether that be entering your personal information or whether it be by sending a compromising picture. So then, Will, how do we keep the door to our house shut? What is cybersecurity, and how can we practice it on social media? Well, when the publishers first came to me with the book, they said, Will, what we want is something that is going to cover children between the ages of 7 and 17. When I looked at the actual demographic of the 13 to 17-year-olds, or sorry, the 17 to 17-year-olds, I explained to the publishers that what we can talk about here is best practice. So it's 
everything from the moment you set up that brand new device that you've taken out of the box, what account name do you put on it, what password you put on it, the two-factor authentication, VPN, and various other things that I'll talk about in the book, which are very easy to put in place, but will control your digital footprint from the outset. But many children will already become incredibly capable and conversant with technology that trying to integrate that best practice is going to be a challenge. But where the book, if you like, serves its purpose is more as crisis management guide in the event of when things actually go wrong, which is more often going to be probably the case for that 13 to 17 year old age group. So, Will, when something does go wrong, what is something that a parent can do? Well, there are lots and lots of things you can do. And the first thing that I would always wish to reassure parents, and I've dealt with a number of cases over the years where parents have come to me in absolute desperation to say, what can I do? My child has done this, that, or the other. Um, The first thing is about talking to your child and how to communicate with them in such a way that the child doesn't feel that you're prying and you're spying on them, but also that they can come to you without judgment, without recrimination, because children will feel that if they do come to the parent, there is that embarrassment factor to start with, that they may have been caught out on something which in many regards was probably pretty straightforward and was just common sense that they didn't do, but they did, and that the parent can actually help them and advise them and work through that problem. And then in the book, I talk about everything from how you as a parent can actually, with the child as teamwork, manage that situation to recover it and all the sources and resources that you can go to that can assist you with that, even right through to the really serious situations where it makes very clear definitive thresholds of when you need to even potentially alert law enforcement and then how you can work with law enforcement to best enable them to assist and support you. The book is Parent Alert, How to Keep Your Kids Safe Online. Well, if our listeners would like to get more information, where can they go? Well, they can go to Amazon and they can go to many reputable online booksellers. And uh, they can also go to our Instagram account, which is parent underscore alert, where we are answering a number of uh, people's questions. We're trying to post up some interesting content. And if any of your listeners uh, do have any particular questions, please, they can send a message through there and we'll do our best to try and answer that for them. Well, thank you so much for being here. As I said in the beginning, it can be a scary world, but by following your advice and implementing security measures, we can avoid potential risks while reaping the many benefits of a connected society. So thank you for being here and sharing with us. Well, thank you for the invite, Joan. It's been a pleasure. This is Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. 
Hi, this is Joan Herman. Join me on Saturday, September 29th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. for the Coleman North Jersey Women's Wellness Expo held at the Passaic County Technical Institute in Wayne, New Jersey. I'm the official MC and a guest speaker for this free event, which is women-focused, but will offer lots of activities for the whole family. There will be free health screenings, an inspiring speaker program, nutritional advice, fitness and active lifestyle information, plus a special kids zone. I hope to see you there. For more information, visit comannorthjersey.org slash expo. We all want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, an intuitive life coach who helps her clients move through life's transitions and challenges with purpose, passion, and clarity to emerge more powerful and purposeful. Linda is here today to discuss life as an empty nester. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joan. It's great to be here. So, Linda, I know what it's like to be an empty nester. It is quite mm. a transition. So what would you like empty nesters and soon-to-be empty nesters to know in order to help them move through this challenging lifetime? Yes. So, Joan, I've been there too. And while all life transitions can be difficult, becoming an empty nester is a big transition and usually more difficult for the woman. That said, both parents can have a lot of anxiety, feel sad, lonely, fearful, and empty. I want people to know this is perfectly normal. Think about it. Your highest priority, your biggest focus for the better part of the last two decades is now suddenly gone. It's a huge change and it creates a huge void. So what I want people to know is that the easiest way to move through this transition is by allowing yourself to feel every emotion, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as they say. The truth of the matter is you can't skirt around these emotions. You must allow yourself to process the feelings. I suggest not pushing them aside or pretending they don't exist or trying to immediately change them into something positive without first allowing yourself to truly feel them. Because what we resist persists. Linda, what was it like for you and what would you say to our listeners that can help them benefit from your experience? Yeah, sure. So the good news is having been there, I created an unfailing formula for moving past the fear and loneliness into a place of fun, freedom, and fulfillment. So here's a little snapshot of my own experience. When my last child was finishing up his senior year of high school, I started to really feel that emptiness. As I watched him go to senior awards night and senior prom and the like, I suddenly realized everything in my life is about to change in a big, big way. And that summer before he left, I actually did allow myself to process all the emotions that came up. And by that, I mean, yep, disappearing into my bedroom to cry my eyes out from time to time. Yeah. You know, it's hard to let these precious kids go. But the benefit of allowing myself to process that way and to not bottle my feelings up was that when I finally did drop him off on campus and wave goodbye, I was really okay. So the interesting part of this is that we know all along the goal is to raise happy, well-adjusted kids who move out, become contributing members of society, and begin to forge their own path. And while we know this, somehow still we're struck with the finality of it all. And the emotions are suddenly real and raw and a 
bit unnerving. So if you really allow yourself to feel the difficult emotions, you can move through them easier. Linda, you mentioned that you created a formula to move through the process. Tell us a little bit about how it works. Yes. So the first part we talked about, and that is feeling your emotions fully. The other parts include first acknowledging yourself for all you've accomplished. I mean, we should congratulate ourselves, right? You've made a lot of sacrifices, challenges, and difficult parenting decisions You've managed them all, and this is a major milestone for you, too. Second, recognize that this part of your journey includes time for you. We start by identifying your goals and your gifts. You know, for many women, your gifts are buried, unknown, or long forgotten. Once you get this clarity and claim these treasures, you'll discover how you can best use them in a way that makes you happy. You may have put your goals and desires on hold while your children were your predominant focus. This can actually be a fun and exciting opportunity for you to step into your passion, purpose, and power. I encourage you to rekindle important relationships that may have been on the back burner. Reconnect with old friends and reconnect with your partner. Or take this time to find a new partner if you've been flying solo. I have been honored and privileged to guide women through this process and watch them emerge more joyful, confident, purposeful, and fulfilled. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about this topic, if you'd like to learn more about Linda and her work, you can visit her website, livinginspiredcoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com forward slash Linda. We'll be right back. Do you struggle with your diet? Is it hard to make the time to find pleasure in a meal? Does starting a diet or addressing food issues seem just too overwhelming? Hippocrates said, let your food be your medicine and your medicine be your food. Hi, I'm Lori Gardner, registered nurse, patient advocate, and board-certified health and wellness coach. I am the CEO and founder of HealthLink Advocates, a firm dedicated to assisting people to navigate our very complex and confusing healthcare system. We also provide coaching to individuals and groups that want to improve their health and overall well-being. Eating is the fourth dimension of the Wellness Inventory Program. A challenge in today's world is mindless eating, where we rush from place to place, meal to meal, without giving it much thought or deriving any pleasure or benefit from the meal experience. Frequently, we eat more when we approach eating mindlessly. It has been shown that just slowing down the pace in which we eat can help us lose weight, enjoy our food more, and experience less stress. It can be quite a benefit to use your breathing exercise as you approach a meal to become more mindful and make healthy choices. When one is about to make an unhealthy food choice, something as simple as counting to 10 and taking a few deep breaths can bring awareness to the choice and can help one decide if they really need that food. If you need a coach to help you utilize your senses to increase your awareness and become a mindful eater, contact us at healthlinkadvocates.com. Do you procrastinate? Procrastination is a learned condition and it is a way we tend to self-sabotage our success. Procrastination is caused by anxiety and anxiety arises due to the fear of failure or fear of success as well as the inability to make decisions or fear of judgment or the need to be perfect. Hi, I'm Susan Greif, an expressive and healing arts facilitator and founder of Artman's Hearts. In my work, I harness the power of creative expression and movement in helping clients release old stuck energy that holds them back in life. A deep-rooted cause for procrastinating would be that someone in your past made all the decisions for you, or they could have criticized each decision you made, making you feel insecure, therefore you procrastinate. So here are some of my tips on beating procrastination. 
affirmation. One, be mindful of the thoughts that come up each time you are ready to take a step and fight it. Remember who told you those thoughts in the first place. Take charge of your negative thoughts and tell it to shut up. Two, be mindful of how your body reacts to anxiety. Take some deep breaths to relax your body. Three, there is no such thing as perfection. You know more than the next person. Don't harp on it, just do it. Four, journal why you're avoiding doing something you have to do. And last, envision what it feels like once the task is done. For more information, please follow me at artmenhearts.com. Social media marketing is more than just throwing stuff onto Facebook or Twitter and hoping that it's going to stick. You need a strategy. Hi, I'm Patricia Singer of Follow Me Social Media Consulting. We work with small and mid-sized businesses to help them with their presence on the various social media platforms. One of your strategies should be to tag other people or businesses in some of your posts to showcase who you frequently work with and value. When you create a post or a tweet, you have the ability to tag others. Depending on which platform you are posting to will determine how you tag another user. Most use the at symbol. When constructing your post, to tag a business page, you would type the at symbol first and then start to type the name of the business or company page. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram will give you suggestions to choose from. If they have a presence on that platform you were posting on, when you add the tag, that business will be notified that you were talking about them. And who doesn't love to be promoted? They will most likely, in turn, share your post, enabling you to reach a broader audience. If you would like more information, go to besttofollowme.com. When you're having a conversation in relationship and it's somewhat controversial, you probably want to be heard and be right. Quite often that's what we want. And so we're maybe a little defensive, but is that right? Or do we want a result? The result being we'd like to get along. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson, Quality for Life Coaching. And they are two different things, getting along versus being heard and being right. See, because being heard and right is our defense, then that connects to our ego. But ego's not really gonna get you that far. If you want a result, then you're gonna wanna work with humility and truth. So if you've got a difference of opinion, I mean, for me, I'll quickly look for a reason to say I'm sorry. And it has to be true. If I don't know what I've done yet, then I will say, I'm sorry you're hurting. I've done something wrong here because you're hurting, but let's talk further so we can figure this out. And you don't want to talk at someone by saying you this and you that because people just shut their ears. You want to use words like we and use words like experience. I'm having this experience. I know your experience is different. There isn't a right or wrong. There's just different experiences going on here. So we just need to talk it through and land somewhere that feels really good for both of us. So you want to do a lot of that non-heated conversation so that you can both feel good, but nobody is charging at another person. It's not being heard and right. It's just working toward the positive result. Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. I'd love to talk to you, help you in any way I might be able to. It's time for Cheer Health. Joining us today is Dr. Jeffrey Weber, who's with the Laura and Isaac Perlmutter Cancer Center. Dr. Weber is here today to discuss melanoma. 
Dr. Weber, according to the American Cancer Society, an estimated 87,000 new cases of melanoma were diagnosed in the United States last year, and approximately 9,700 people died from the disease. What is melanoma, and whom does it affect? Melanoma is a cancer of the pigment cells or melanocytes that live in our skin. They tend to cluster at the junction between the inner, inner and the outer skin, which is the dermis and the epidermis. And if they become transformed or abnormal and grow out of control, they can then invade. And if you get to them early and remove them when they're in the skin only, you can cure the patient. But if it spreads within the skin, deeply into the skin, or to distant organs, those patients may die of metastatic melanoma. And the patients most at risk are those who have pale complexions, a lot of freckles, especially those with a lot of abnormal freckles, and those with blonde hair, red hair, blue eyes, green eyes, who have been exposed to the sun or tanning salons. So most melanomas are probably due to UV exposure, that is the sun and the tanning salons. Some of them are genetically predisposed whether you're in the sun or not, but most of them are related to UV light. Is melanoma more dangerous than other skin cancers? That is correct. Most cancers of the skin in the United States and around the world are so-called basal and squamous cancers. You find them, you remove them, they're usually cured. The likelihood that they would spread percentage-wise would be very low, although that happens. It just doesn't happen often with melanoma. As you may have seen, uh, 90,000 this year, the incidence, the number of cases is 90,000 probably for 2018. There's going to be about 10,000 deaths. So you have about uh, more than a 10%. It's an 11% chance of dying of the disease, whereas with other cancers, it's very low. It's 1% or less. Doctor, what are symptoms of melanoma? People should look in the skin at their moles, and if they change and grow in size, become differentiated in color, if they become shaggy in their borders, if they're asymmetric, if they get raised or bleed, that's when you get worried and you have to go to the dermatologist for a biopsy, no question. What is immuno-oncology and how does this treatment help patients with melanoma? Immuno-oncology is the field of study and treatment using drugs that impact on the immune system to indirectly treat cancer. So what you do is you use a drug and these drugs have really only been developed since 2001 or 2002, so it's about 16 or 17 years ago. And these drugs stimulate the immune system to get rid of the cancer or prevent it from returning. So they don't directly kill the tumor, they convince, so to speak, the immune system to do the work and get rid of the tumor and destroy it. And the first drug was approved in 2011. The first patient was treated in 2010, so that was a 10-year journey, as they call it. But most recently, in December, a new drug was approved called nivolumab that was used in a large clinical trial that is a test, which showed that in patients who had their tumors, their melanomas removed by the surgeon, but were at high risk of return of the tumor, meaning 50% or more risk of return of the tumor or even death from melanoma, that the time to return of the tumor was prolonged probably the patient's survival was improved and interestingly compared to the control arm that is the what we call the comparator the drug was less toxic so it was kind of a winner all around and that was the drug nivolumab doctor thank you so much for being here if you'd like to get more information you can visit curemelanoma.org what is your aging plan hi my name is sheila samuels of the samuels law firm at the Samuels Law Firm, we focus on estate planning and administration, elder law and special needs planning. With offices in New York and Northern New Jersey, we work closely with our clients to develop a comprehensive estate plan to preserve and protect their assets for their families. While no one likes to think about aging or disability, study after study confirms that nearly everyone will face at least a temporary disability sometime during their lifetime. 
More specifically, depending upon the age, up to 44% of Americans will face a disability for more than four years. Despite this overwhelming and compelling statistic, most Americans continue to grossly underestimate the risk of disability to themselves and to their loved ones and fail to plan. Now think about this for a second. We live in a society where we plan what we will eat or where we will vacation, yet most of us do not know or refuse to accept the facts surrounding our potential need for long-term care and the costs associated with it. So, are you interested in learning more about asset protection and preservation? Are you interested in aging with dignity and a peace of mind and leaving the legacy you choose for your loved ones? If so, visit me at SheilaSamuelsLaw.com. Soul by Rain is produced from various seed flowers. Its primary ingredients hail from the black cumin seed and the black raspberry seed. These two combine with Chardonnay grapeseed NutriFlower to provide a powerful antioxidant barrier against the devastating effects of stress. Soul by Rain has been hailed as one of the most important anti-aging antioxidants ever discovered. Soul is an anti-inflammatory and it helps prevent and repair radical damages for a healthier heart. Get your soul by calling your Rain partner, Elmina Ziza, at 973-722-1154. joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.